This is Kyle Ren for It's a Guy Thing Podcast. You're going to be my guest today on the show. Let's get it on. Somebody sent me a birthday meme and said, happy birthday, you fucking fuck. Hey, how much is Niosa? You're like, thanks, mom. <laughs> 12? Huh? It's like, it's a lot, man. It's 12 bucks. Damn. Probably. Are you going for sure? Not for sure. You know what makes me want to go? Besides you. Mm. that's if, it, if you hadn't been asked me, there's a perfect example. If you hadn't asked me, I wouldn't even thought about it. I would have forgotten. And I'm off Friday. But we have a party to go to. Tomorrow night that we committed to a month ago. So you can't go. I didn't know that it was on now. So. No, but... After our entire discussion about time. I'll speak later to why I'd still like to go. Anyway, my... <laughs> <laughs> to your... To, to uh, my point was um, the food. Like, oh. no other part of the year can I get a chicken on a stick with a jalapeno or that... Uh, Some of the food trucks do that now, though. Really? Mm-hmm. That, uh... I know, uh, I know for sure one of them, that Gil- Gilbo's Grill. Not Boardwalk on Bulverde. No, but, but deceased. Gone now. No, yeah. but those people still are around. Yeah, yeah. But one of them, Gibble's Grill. grill. I've had beers. My father was a creeper. It's gonna be a hot time in the whole town tonight. Oh man, I need to see that one again. That was terrible. Oh, okay, that's gonna be edited out. (laughs) Totally. Uh, Fucking start over, I guess. Oh my god. (laughs) Anyways, wow. that food truck does chicken on the stick. They're, I haven't had it, but their burgers are badass. So. Lead me to it. Mm-hmm. I need to find a food truck that does funnel cakes. I'm sure. I've seen some. There's got to be. Or churros. Yeah. Does anybody make churros? Because the ones at SeaWorld churros. are not churros. Are they not as good as... Fiesta like, Texas makes some good ones. Yes. Yes, they do. But then but you got to pay like, $64.95 <laughs> to get, to get in. And, and then another for it. $50 to park. <laughs> Yeah. Or you can just do a season pass for eighty nine, or you can make and then your it own. pays for itself after yeah seventy two <laughs> visits. Two visits. That's the worst thing ever. Oh god. Yeah. Oh man, now I really want a churro. Damn it. Mm. You know who used to make really good ones? Was it uh, Target? Target used to have really good ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, see now there she's. Uh, no, she looks, no. She looks, you said she was twelve. Well, how she long still ago? looks okay, like nine. a frying pan face. Oh, so she was 13 when the show started. Because they're in season six now. See, because Mario wants her in this state. Okay, that's gross, man. No. She, she no. didn't have a flat head there. Something must have happened, must have happened the between. Shih Tzu, the Shih Tzu remark is uh, applicable now. Look, she's <laughs> already been in her own TV show or movies. Cyberbully. Cyberbully. A British <laughs> Cyber teenager <laughs> is forced to be bullied by the internet. <laughs> Electric dreams. <laughs> what if there was a website where if that's enough people hit delete that that's electric it would cheap. kill you. It would delete you from existence. If everybody was plugged into the same like machine, 
and enough, and you constantly had to like make people like you to stay alive. So as long as you had more likes than hates, so you, it's like you Survivor. stayed alive. So it's like Survivor. Except you actually die. Survivor's bullshit because it's fake. I'm saying you actually die. Wasn't there a Twilight Zone, like a Neo Twilight Zone show that was kind of like that? I don't know. I don't know. Audience, if you know what it is, tell us. No one will respond. All five of they you. They don't know. People don't know shit. All five of you. <laughs> <laughs> is that... That looks like... Hmm. I don't know what to make of that. So. <laughs> <laughs> no clue. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Welcome back. Welcome well, back from our seventeenth like, hiatus. No, no. At, at some I, point, got, it's not a hiatus. If we've got just, shows in the can. They've been running. We've, that doesn't count. It's not a hiatus. It's kind of like a reunion at this point for us. Yeah, By the time it's this like one airs, we're like Guns and Roses at this yeah. point, getting back By together this time, in the throne. At Coachella. If they even make it past that point, this by the time this episode comes out, we'll have like seven or eight in a row. It'll be twenty twenty six. Yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll all be there. dead, but they'll be airing. We'll be talking one about... Came out, one came out Monday? I know, I heard it. I heard it. I just haven't blasted it on Facebook yet, so... I need it. Well, I need to make the, the Photoshop shit. Anyway. You're too busy promoting 210 and your label instead of us. You're neglecting... We're what matters. Your stepchildren. That's right. We're the red-headed. That's why I'm here You're tonight. You're the bald-headed stepchildren. I'm what here tonight to, to officially pod fade us. This is our last episode. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Jason. Jason. Four. Jason. <laughs> That's what Rick said. You could have, I could have lost money if I'd bet that you were joking about that. Like, oh, Mario. I wonder what the, There's oh, no way he thinks that. He doesn't the, really think that. Like said, I've never been to Vegas, that. but they always have those things, right, where mm-hmm. you can bet on anything. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, I should have bet money like 10 years ago. Like, what are the chances that somebody will think that? The, night, the Friday the 13th song he says Jason Voorhees. Oh, man. He'd probably make about it's $20 It's not a song. Why you, you keep saying it's a song? It's anyway, a part of the anyway. score that by, makes it a song. By it's the time music, this episode comes out, the Jason Voorhees episode, that's like so old, people are going to forget that it even existed. They'll forget. They'll never forget. They'll forget that they didn't so listen two to out it of the three, first time. Two out of three. <laughs> two out of three of us. Like, uh, you just said you weren't going to do that. My God, we're starting early, I'm ladies and gentlemen. And by that, my I mean it's eleven o'clock. We usually are. We meet here at nine sharp. I'm rebelling because I'm a rebel. That's a without a line. clue. That's you, a stupid line. You were on, right? you were here on time, Mario. I was. What's a stupid line? I was here on time. I already forgot. What the Rogue One quote, where she's like, "Be always rebelling because I'm a rebel," or whatever the stupid line. Oh, that's it's horrible. Like the really bad line. No, she didn't say that second part. She just said the. What first did she part. say? Uh, I was rebelling. Or this is a rebellion, isn't it? Or something like that. Yeah. So do you think she's a Yeah, bo- but that's you- what I'm saying. It, they, it was a very redundant <clears throat> here exchange. You, here you go. Do you so, think she's a Bothan? And she's one of the Bothans know. that died? I don't think anybody knows what a Bothan was. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Or or if you're like me and you heard you heard Obi-Wan say, I heard millions of oysters cry out in <laughs> agony and pain. <laughs> Instead of voices, I always heard oysters. So I pictured a planet, a coastline. That's on like my um, that's like my Metallica screw up where I always thought that chorus part in Inner Salmon, I thought he was saying thinking it's pillow time <laughs> instead of gripping your pillow tight. That's close enough though. That's not bad. Thinking it's pillow time. <laughs> I always or, thought that was what he Jimmy, said. Or Jimi Hendrix, excuse me while I kiss this guy. What is he actually saying? Excuse me while I kiss the sky, not this guy. 
I didn't but hear. It, I, did you say this guy the first time? Guy, yeah. My mind didn't hear that the yeah. first time. <laughs> but it's weird. That's horrible it, that you thought that. But it's I weird. It's but it's weird that, all these that it's such a weird line that like even if you get it wrong, it's like even the proper line like that's mm. still dumb. Right. You well, know what I mean? Think like, about most '90s music though. Like lyrically, stuff didn't make sense. Like lyrically, most shit did not make yeah, any sense like at Nirvana all. Bush, and, Nirvana. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, <clears throat> I was going to go off did, on did a Game of Thrones tangent. Did you listen to that, uh, that uh, link I sent you guys the other day? No, I didn't. Which what was... Fuck off. Which, 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 goes which one? <laughs> which one? The Spotify link to that In Bloom cover. No, I, I, didn't. I haven't heard I it did. yet. It's really good. That's I hate that song, but it's a really good cover. Who who did the cover? Uh, Sturgill Simpson, like a country singer, like a newish... It's not like straight up Sturgill, country. Sturgill, isn't, like, isn't that a name for a, like a Harley Davidson? Sturgis. That's a place. Sturgis. Sturgis. That's that a, place. a place. That is a place. Okay. Hey, close enough. Sturgis. <laughs> they, have, they have. It's like Sturgis and Virgil. They have like a yearly motorcycle. I heard. Yeah. A, I heard a really cool uh, 1979 cover on SoundCloud from some random person. Oh, yeah, nice. I'll play it for you right now through the microphone. <laughs> right, Mario. Break some love. Yeah. If it's a cover, maybe. It, no, it's not fine either way. Why? Can I you explain that to me? <laughs> In all honesty, after all this time, I truly, and this is that I actually have a pretty good background in fair use and copyright and all that stuff, but I still want to hear it from you why we can't like grab a guitar and play a known song in our interpretation on this show on a not-for-profit, not-heard-by-anybody type thing. Because it requires a mechanical license, period. No matter how many, how much audience it's reaching or anything, there's a certain amount that's owed in. Isn't that royalty. only for the the actual Library of Congress registered music? No, no. covers of of it are also covered under that. That's why when people post their covers of stuff on YouTube, the actual owners enforce the copyright and they slap ads on somebody else's video. So I wonder about because that now. So now, if you put a video up and it's got copyrighted stuff and it lets you do it, and then it puts ads, isn't that like? Basically, them giving you permission to use it. To a degree, it's saying we're not going to take it down, but we're going to profit off of it because that's fine. ours. That's a fair trade-off. It's, yes. Yeah. So yes, it's okay. But they, but they don't have any way to do that to a podcast. How do, how are they able to like if my YouTube channel is you know Michael's channel and I have monetized off and they're like we want you to put ads on and so I put monetize on the money still comes to me. How are they getting money off my ads? No, it doesn't. It on gets my channel. interceded from from YouTube. So they get their chunk. Like the IRS, they wage yeah. garnish? In a way, basically, they submit it to the IRAA, RIAA, and the RIAA distributes accordingly through ASCAP, BMI, CSEC. Whatever the publishing right. is. The PRO is. Wow. So That was the music education of the day, ladies and gentlemen. Now we're moving on to our main topic. So even if I play the cover badly, <laughs> we can't do it? But it's weird because you you can't cover a song without having to pay somebody. But you can unless you make do it a, a rip off. You can do a rip off of that song that's an original composition and get away with it. Weird for out. the most part, right? No, no. That, I'm, saying like, I'm saying that's like I'm saying like I'm saying like like all the different rock riffs you hear that have been used over and over again. Like at some point, you, people are like, "Oh, well, it's just everybody uses them, right?" Like it's you know, there's it's a gray area with riffs. It's either the, because it's either the, the duration, the recognizability, the if, is the artist still prominent, relevant. I mean, think about the or I mean, and sample work too. I mean, right. it's the same type of stuff. 
if it's somebody that's not relevant or somebody that doesn't that didn't get fame or that didn't have a record deal, then there's nobody there's no lawyers on their behalf that matter. So in that case, it's fine. But if you're doing something where but, somebody but I'm, made but I'm money, I'm talking off of about it. like people that are generally when you hear stuff like that, it's known people. Like you hear somebody that's singing a song, you're like, that sounds exactly like the other song, and it's not sampled. Yeah. It's not the same song, but you can tell they were like, no one will notice. Well, they yeah, switch I mean, a chord here. But, but like the perfect example is that like that Sam Smith song, whatever that real popular one he had. It was like a giant smash song. And I remember me, probably like another million people all went like, that sounds like a Tom Petty song. And I thought like they must have like oh, sampled yeah. it. And sometimes in R&B, they'll sample the melody, but then change the words or whatever. And they got away with it for like a year until somebody from Tom Petty's group was like, that sounds just like my song. And now yeah. you're coughing up. You know, yeah. but that's what I'm saying. That went through an entire chain of people, probably hundreds of people before, and no one was like, actually, no, someone was probably like, that sounds like that Tom Petty song. And then they were like, fuck it, no one will know. Well, and, and then, then everybody the knew, and they were like, never mind, here's a check for $6 million. Well, Tom that's, Petty, that's where bands you don't need it. Because that, well, that's where bands fuck up, because they either. They either say, hey, we're going to use this so we can become famous, or they're like, we're never going to become famous anyway. Nobody's going to pay but attention. But I'm, I'm not talking about like just like nobody bands. I'm talking about people that are on major labels that <laughs> are a part of the system that we've talked yeah. about in the past, like pop singers. You know what I mean? Like people that it's not just you recording an album and someone buying it from you. It's like you have a producer and another producer and a songwriter and a, and a handler and a PR and, and a marketing. stepped in. And no one's like... But that's what I'm saying. Every, everybody probably... <laughs> is aware of it but you're like yeah we'll just do it until we get away with can't get away with it and then we'll be like oh sorry you know it's because it's that much of a gray area but that's kind of like that leans to what you're talking about you're like you make a podcast that like nobody cares about until it becomes famous and then you're like oh never mind i'll just take them off fuck you right yeah but i don't care i'm just i'm just i think it's odd that it, it happens on larger scales but like anything else it boils down to like if you have money for a lawyer then you can do whatever you want. Yeah, pretty much. And depends on who you're going up against. Yeah. I mean, look at the Verve. Was it the Verve or the Verve pipe? The Verve. The Verve. Yeah. With the Rolling Stones. Simply Rolling Stones. Yeah. But that's the same thing. They sampled that, that song that without it. permission, Crushed. and got away with it because for they weren't a while. famous. And then they were like, "But that song made them famous." What did they? Exactly. What did they sample? That's the thing. Huh? The what? No one. I don't even, know. But that's the, the thing. Song. No one even knows that song. Everyone's like, nobody knew that. But they were like, oh, they sampled a Rolling Stones song. But, like, nobody knew that. To make what song? Unless you like the Rolling Stones, uh, right? Bittersweet Symphony. Yeah. What part? That whole song. Dun, that whole, dun, like, dun, the... Dun, 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 yeah. Oh, really? The entire, the entire song. That. It's a great song. Yeah, it, it really is. But it's obviously better than the Rolling Stones version because... And that's why they broke up. They didn't they have the money to do, to take care of anything or to And the guy was a heroin addict. Well, yeah, that too. So that was it. Axfell. Done. So what was the deal with um, Vanilla Ice and Queen... He he said that he didn't oh, they, have to. They, they changed, they changed the, note. the note, right? So yeah. he didn't have to pay him anything. No, but I think they no, they still got it. Oh, they did. They still gave yeah. it to him. But that was their argument against it was that it was a different note. And then Suge Knight uh, threatened to chop <laughs> him off the side of a building and got the right. Allegedly, to the song. allegedly, just like the guy from Verve allegedly was a heroin addict. Yeah, we're not we're not lawyers here, people. We just pretend to play ones on podcasts. <laughs> that was for you gene and jack and jeff all three of you out there listening touching yourselves all isn't right. it weird if you guys think about it you're all three naked at the same time in different parts of the world touching yourself at the exact same moment 
toggling between our pictures while you listen yeah. to us. <laughs> Fapping as, as wow. Mike says. <laughs> <laughs> I still, every once in a while, it pops into my head when we were leaving the Terror Con and we're walking out. <laughs> Terror Expo, damn it! Yes. <laughs> Dude, what? If you call something the wrong name three times, it's got a new name. Yeah. It's, it's done. <laughs> All right, Dick. Sorry, fellas. Dick, Dick. Sorry, so they're fellas. they're like so much for his credentials next year. <laughs> yeah, our our shredder. <laughs> so when we're when we're leaving, it still sticks in my head. When we're leaving, we're all walking, and there's a moment of silence, and then Rick just goes super fucking loud, and there's like tourists walking by, and he like looks at us like, "Oh fuck, me? Yeah, at the thing? You don't remember? No. When I we mean, were leaving, when, so when we were heading out back, know. we were we were passing the giant cupcake on a stick, and you're like. <laughs> Do you remember? That sounds like me. I don't remember, but that and sounds like me. And Mike and I, I both look at you like, what the hell? And you're like, oh, I didn't mean to do that out loud. Hmm. Anyway, Some people think out loud, while, I fart out loud. Anyway, with your mouth. Every once in a while that pops into my I, head. I, I guarantee. Oh, I guarantee. Fart. Yes. Now, not a because, fart. because I tell you, I always do this thing in my head. When I'm in public and someone bends over, in my mind, I always go, <laughs> and occasionally I do it. Without knowing it out loud. I guarantee you right now, Gene's the only person turned on (laughs) of the three you mentioned. It's all stuck in the chest hair and the belly hair. Oh, man. And the belly button. The the reservoir. (laughs) The reservoir dog. (laughs) Anyway, so our real topic before this becomes just another grab bag episode. That's Uh, a terrible grab bag why do they call grab it that sack grab sack yeah. i don't know it's because there's a grab bag, bag of, how about potluck because there's, because there's well be, i'm a, when you say how about grab, sack lunch how about, how about reduced lunch menudo <laughs> that's what i imagine you say grab bag i imagine someone like stuffing their hand in like a <laughs> like the the stomach of a goat and just like pulling out like or like in jaws your gestures are amazing in jaws when there's like oh that's a license plate <laughs> and they're like pulling, oh, yeah. they're like pulling shit out of the shark that's so, what I. That's what a so grab bag is. So picture a bag with topics and people reaching in and grabbing. I a topic get what it like, is. Oh. I just don't like the name, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, you said I don't know what to call it. Mario I'm trying to, to be logical and explain the visuals of a grab bag. <laughs> well, what it is is it's a bag <laughs> that you grab. I, you grab stuff out of <laughs> metaphorical stuff. Is that like a jump to conclusions, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> no, you you jump. You literally jump to conclusions. <laughs> oh, Ooh. So, so uh, today topic. we're talking about. Star, Star Wars, Wars, The Force Awakens. So is it copyright violation to sing to the theme song? <laughs> <laughs> Can you do that, Mark? I'm being oh, serious. I'm not God. trying to... <laughs> sing the theme song? Can you like sing hum notes? it? Can you hum the opening credits theme song? Is that allowed? I, I, I am not a lawyer, but I would say that likely that might be okay since you cannot vocally... Men- do all of the instruments? I can't recreate what a if we John Williams. Guy, what if we had the guy from? If we had the guy from Police Academy in here, <laughs> <laughs> Michael. What's his, what's his name? Michael Winslow. Winslow. Thank you. Yeah, he's still alive, right? <clears throat> yeah. Well, he just did the Led Zeppelin thing. Did you see that? Like, well, maybe what, a couple. Was years this ago. on the YouTube? Yes, this was on I, the YouTube. No. There's this guy, and and he's he's uh playing, and Michael Winslow is like doing. The Led like the guitar and stuff. Yeah, and oh, like it cool. sounds phenomenal. Like I'll, I'll show you after we're done, but it's. Would you? Awesome. Would if somebody was that incredible with their mouth? Could would you? <laughs> <laughs> would you pay to see them live in a concert to only perform music with their mouth? 
Wait, that's like an acapella group. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like that. Like they're playing the instruments sound and effects. shit. It's still like, oh, it's pitch perfect. Well, no, no. That's I a mean, great but... movie. I spent money on that. Never mind. Answer my own question. <laughs> Both right. of them. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks, Rick. Right along. Anyways, back to my podcast. Um, I'll be interviewing <laughs> myself today. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we do, though. We answer our own questions yeah. a lot of the time. Anyway, um, but yeah, so Star Wars Force Awakens. Oh. I've only seen it once. Why? Why is it not called Episode 7? I don't know. We know it's 7, but they didn't call it But haven't they, when they show the timeline no. of all of them, it, isn't, it just has the name? Yeah, when you see the title, it just says Star Wars with the Force Awakens. There's no episode. No, but like mm. when they show like the graphics, like infographics of the name. Oh yeah, everybody attaches it. Oh okay, yeah. just but in the movie, yeah, itself. the actual official name. So when it when it says in a galaxy far, far away, blah blah blah, does it, it doesn't say it did episode. have it. Oh okay, but in the title it doesn't like oh, the title okay, yeah. of the like movie. the other ones did. Mm-hmm. Although didn't New Hope not initially? Yeah, because he didn't know there was going to be more. But it was just called Star Wars. That's it wasn't it. even called New Hope, right? Right. So they added that, and then they added the episode number two. Right. Crazy. They should have called The Force Awakens an old hope. (laughs) The earlier hope. (laughs) The (laughs) pre-hope. A really new hope. What's the the Sandra Bullock movie? Hope Rises? Hope Floats. 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 That's what they should have called it. (laughs) Star Wars, Hope Floats. (laughs) (laughs) How many times have you seen it, Michael? Twice. Twice, right? I've seen it twice. Both in the theater? Yeah. No, I saw it it once in the theater and once on Blu-ray. Okay. You saw it in the theater twice? Yeah. Sarah just got me the Blu-ray, and I, I have to see it because I there was a scene in the movie, apparently the most important scene ever, where she touches the lightsaber and has flashbacks or whatever, and I missed that whole thing. Like, I don't know what happened. You were eating No, I dropped popcorn. my phone. I dropped my phone. Why were you touching your phone? Because my mom was texting me that... How did you? Know. How did you even know your mom that was texting you? That is against the law. <laughs> you break no... every law you can find. <laughs> how could you possibly know your mom was texting you if your phone was put away in silent in because your pocket? It was vibrating in my pocket. Why was it on vibrate? So That's it was, illegal. It was, because, it she was, was because she was watching her. Because she was. Wow. It was a D box. Dildo box. She was watching Dylan, and I had to be sure everything was okay. Like, look at it. Okay, it's oh, okay. Good. That's that's different. And that's a little was, different. He was just like, "Oh, hey, by the way, I'm like, oh, well, I don't need to." And, and of that. course, and then it you, slipped out of my pocket. It slipped out. <laughs> Smell out. <laughs> Sarah missed a little bit of it, but I still have to see that section specifically over yeah. again. So let's let's uh, we don't have to go like chronological through the movie, but like so let's start. Kind of from the beginning. So first off, in the beginning, b- before you um, you saw the new movie, what Mario? I'll ask you first. What were your expectations of it? Were you excited about it? Were you apprehensive? Um, were you open minded? I tried to stay as open minded as I could because I didn't want to have anybody else's influence on what I was about to see. Mm-hmm. So I avoided everything. Like I didn't know anything except for the trailers. Mm-hmm. That was it. And so I wanted to go in with a completely fresh kind of point of view and everything. And I really did, I really did enjoy it. Um, I think seeing it and then hearing people's thoughts temporarily ruined it for me. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Because of the way they were like, oh, their directing style or the lack of a directing style or the, oh, he copied it or whatever. Right. That kind of like irked me. But then I saw the point, and I was like, 
for for a second I sided with them. I was like, yeah, man, this this movie wasn't as great as I thought it was. And then I like rethought about it again, ran it through my head, and I'm like, this is the only way he could have done it, in my opinion, mm-hmm. was to do it in homage, in homage, and make a lot of things very like, hey, this harkens back to exactly this. They're gonna do this. They're gonna do that. They're gonna have it match up. And they're going to hand it off to this new cast. And then from there, they're going to take it and move forward. Mm-hmm. But at first, I was I was like, oh, man, this movie's phenomenal. And then I, and that's when I heard everybody say, ah. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe they're right. Yeah. So, But I, I tried really hard to go in fresh. So, so you're, when I watched you're it again, pretty open-minded. When you went yeah. In, like you were... and, when, and when I watch it again, <clears throat> I'm going to try to wipe all of that from my head and go see, and see it at home on the Blu-ray. Yeah, fresh eyes. Fresh eyes again. Because I just... I need to reabsorb it. Mm-hmm. You know? Mike, how about you? Um, prior to going going into it, you know, I'd seen the trailer and I tried to minimize my exposure past that. So I saw the the first trailer and then I just at I'm at the point where my memory has such a good way to attach to a scene or a piece of dialogue, it'll stick in my head. So if I start seeing too many trailers, it kind of desensitizes me from the exciting exciting. Um, scene they might be showing they might accidentally show something that's really important and then i'll be waiting for that scene in the movie and then I'm like oh that's where that was and it takes the air out of it so one trailer was good enough for me and i let it go i i knew it would be good i knew jj abrams you know doesn't make mistakes of that kind of scale you know i knew it would be as good as like the star trek reboots i knew it would be as good as like the lost pilot you know just was going to be really good and really solid it was going to be a matter of what i was interested in what i've always been interested in is where is this story going? Why do we need to see what happens? Because like we've said before, every single movie you've ever seen, no matter how much backstory they show and how much forward story they show, there's always something that goes on after that and something that goes on before that that you don't see on screen. Yeah. So the question is, why do we want to see this? And not talking about it from a marketing standpoint and making money standpoint, yeah. just from a story point, like when Jedi ends, are you curious? Are you curious to see, like, what will he actually do? How would he start the new order? Would he go back to the the main Senate planet, the, the Kurosite planet, and just retake the Jedi Temple and start it all over and all that? Or would it go a wholly different direction? You'd, you'd kind of wonder, like, we never really got to see Luke as a fully fleshed out, fully powerful Jedi. You know, we saw yeah. for three movies this young boy was Fighting trying himself. to get there. He was trying to figure out who he was. And mm. at the very end, he simply does something more important than gaining super mastery and skill and combat and all that. He just redeems his, his father and that's his story. But you never really get to see what is he like when he's in charge. I thought that was a neat story to try and see. So I was a little disappointed to come to find out that the story wouldn't have that, at least this first movie. If they do go backward and do flashbacks for the first time in the next one and we get to see a little bit, then that'd be kind of cool. But I was disappointed at the prospect of him being kind of written out of the story to create mystique mm-hmm. you know like well we're not going to have until the very end and and that was so cool because it worked in the movie's context but for me i was excited to see a little more story about him because to me like he at the end of the day when you evaluate the six films the first six he's actually like the best character the best story the best really actor you know he didn't have to because you and mcgregor i guess would have said is my other one obi-wan would be that character that goes through all most of the movies and is Really well written, really well has acted. Has yeah, a he has a arc. legitimate arc, yeah. but the stories aren't about him, so it's hard yeah. to center on yeah. that. You know, so 
Um, I was excited. You know, I'm always excited. I've made the joke many times to you, Rick. I've said, like, you know, put a lightsaber on screen and I'll go, I'll be there. Yeah. And now they're literally going to start doing it. Now you're <laughs> yeah. literally going to see, Every you know, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, redux through the Disney cycle with, you know, all these Star Wars movies. But yeah. we've been asking for that. We Since we were young, we've been saying that. We've been also saying, I'd love to see the prequels, the one, two, and three, because those, those numbers, those episodic numbers always had such a hold over us. Like, oh, I wonder yeah. what one, two, and three have. If yeah. this is four, then do, what's do then you, what's do you have any? Um, do you have any concern <clears throat> that, you know, them putting out another Star Wars or a Star Wars side story every year for the next 20 years, do you think that for you that'll dilute? You know, I thought about that. The bigger and picture for you? Or? I don't I don't think so. Um, I, well, I mean, time will tell, but I'm always going to view um, the first six as as what they are, which is their own little package for multiple reasons, really. Um, you look at those as the only, you know, for better or worse, with all the criti- which critiques we could give him, all the praise we could give him, that's Lucas's, you know, legacy. Those mm-hmm. six are his that's his canon story. So everything from here on, we're going to watch it. And I guess we'll, our minds will make it canon. The story will, but we'll know it really wasn't from him. We'll know it's, you know, like, did you hear his interview with, um, on PBS about how he said he has shown them the scripts he oh, had yeah. for seven and they yeah. just completely scrapped it. it. So yeah. we'll never know what his intended storyline was, yeah. you know, and that's to me that right there is like the, <clears throat> the line in the sand has been drawn where it's like, I'm going to watch these. I'm excited to see where the story goes, but way in the back of my mind, I'll know that wasn't the intended story. It might be for the best because mm-hmm. in my opinion, I don't think he handled the prequel storylines best. I don't think oh, that those yeah. were really un- unpacked the way they should have been. Then that's me being a, you know, critic from afar. You know, if I yeah. had the helm, what could I do with it? I don't know. But um, I think on the other hand, it, you could look at it from a dilution standpoint. I could look at it also as opening up this universe. Cause we're always asking those big questions like, Oh, well, what are the Jedi trials? What does that really look like when someone yeah. constructs a lightsaber? What really went on during the purge years when between three and four and Vader yeah. went and, you know, found the remaining Jedi and killed them, you know, all these little references in the movies where it's like, like the rogue yeah. one thing. I made that joke that Mon Mothma's like many Bothans died to yeah. bring us these plans. Yeah. Maybe we'll find out now that, Hey, What's they got Bothan? the plans for the Death Star and that's how the first Death Star was blown up. Mm-hmm. They might just start filling in all these gaps and holes with visuals instead of imagination. <clears throat> and we've had 20 years to let our imaginations run wild. Now they're yeah. going to fill it with yeah. actual footage. And like I said, I think it's one of those places that gets a pass. Star Wars gets a pass because as much as we hate on it, we still buy the movies. We yeah. still go and see it more than once. We talk about it. We spend entire yeah. podcasts so it's, it's, on it. It's more like <laughs> it's kind of like it's grandfathered in the way that like the Matrix mm-hmm. isn't. Where right. the Matrix... And for me personally, like when after I saw the first one, which I really enjoyed, and the way it ends and the open endedness is similar in the sense you're going, oh my God, what happens next? Right. And they showed you what happens next. And depending on your point of view, of those movies for me, I was it was a letdown. It, it was, was a like, letdown for uh, me too. Like they couldn't, they couldn't quite uh, continue that unless uh, unless Agent Smith was the one. The what? Unless Agent Smith was the one. Was the one. And uh, Neo was not the but one. there was like a hundred the ones. <laughs> yeah, but he that's made his I'm own saying. rules. But, th- but I think that's a... <laughs> you got you to gotta look for that article. There's no, no, article I, I, I really get it, good. but that that's the problem. So for me, um, it's... I totally derailed you, I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. But with, with like the Matrix stuff, for example, or definitely the Terminator franchise... Mm. 
Um, I'm not saying I feel the same way about Star Wars just yet, but I guess I kind of worry about that. Where the Terminator franchise, I mean, any good story should make you feel that way. It should make you feel like there's a thousand other stories. You know, there's a lot of movies that are fairly self-contained, meaning they end and you're completely satisfied with, not it was a perfect movie, but you're satisfied with like, okay, they got together. It's fine. Yeah. I don't really care. Think of about, it. Think of it this um, way: like you were saying, Terminator, right? Mm-hmm. So, like for me, the idea of the sequels and the war and all that stuff that you and I talked about through high school, like, man, I can't wait to see if they ever do that. I probably won't. They'll probably never do it. But if they ever did, how awesome it'd be to see John Connor in the future. It's ruined. They they can't. Mm-hmm. You really can't fix that. Even if you make another movie again that picks up where two left off and erase all of these other ones, all of them, and don't even have Arnold and just. Just take the story and not about the, whatever, the the ceremony of having Arnold in it and trying to connect the movies or whatever and just start right there and do an actual three and it's done right. It's going to be ruined, the fact that we had to go through all this stuff already. But that doesn't take away how phenomenal to me one and two are. Yeah. And one and two are great and Terminator as a franchise is insulated from its shitty sequels because those were James Cameron's. Yeah. yeah. And everything after that wasn't his and so I see it to see it and I like to see where the story is going but... In a weird, in a weird way, don't you ever think it's kind of like us suspending our own fan fiction disbelief? Like the current Star Wars movie is really a big fan fiction movie. It's not really, yeah. you know. It's like it's like. But I mean, because but I think you know what I'm I, to say? I think sometimes we give at this point, especially now when you do go back and watch special features or documentaries on movies, the big movies and stuff, um, that there's at least in in you know, in film in film it's very hard to it'd be a completely singular vision. Um, the only time I think you have a completely singular vision or you have an opportunity to have that is when you control all the money, which in the case of like the prequels, George Lucas controlled all that money. He controlled the entire rights. So he had more of an ability to make it a singular vision. But at the same time, I think a lot of times we give, depending on our argument at that moment, we give we tend to give people too much credit sometimes for that own that that vision in other words if it's incredible that that person's the genius mm, and if yeah. it's awful that person's an idiot or whoever ha- mishandled the movie is an idiot mm-hmm. and, and 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 it's an interesting thing to look at whether you go back and look at the George Lucas behind the scenes stuff or now looking at the force awakens behind the scenes stuff and you see no matter how singular a vision may be you see how many hands touch it first on every level to the degree. And they say this very clearly in the force awakens documentary that, that ideas for characters or ideas for ships or ideas for planets influence the story. And I, while in the, for the sake of art and collaboration, I get why that's important, um, to, um, to add, to add weight to a movie and to give it a little more, a little more breath. Right. But at the same time, I, I, I think from the perspective of wanting to see a movie for having a, a good story that's not made simply by a committee, I think sometimes that is the problem. It's not the singular vision problem. It's the fact that you have too many people uh, that are involved that play into that. Another good example of that, too, is like Prometheus, you know, where it's easy for me because I'm not a monster fan of Lindelof to say, oh, he messed that up <laughs> right? because I love Ridley Scott. I love almost all his movies. But if you go back and watch the special features for that movie, Ridley Scott will be like, oh, I had this image of this giant head. 
and I want that in the movie. So the screenwriters had to find a way to shoehorn that into the movie. And it's never explained in the movie. It makes zero sense. It has nothing to do with the movie. You know, it was it, just a backdrop. And, and then you're forced to go, well, it's a mystery. Like, no, you you didn't answer it. That doesn't make it a mystery. Like, you know what I mean? It Just because you don't know what I do when I go home doesn't make me a mystery. But it don't you think make... that in C, I don't, I don't find that kind of collaboration um, rewarding. I, to me, I think that's bad filmmaking. I think, but but, but that's what filmmaking I mean, is now. It, it's a job. I mean, filmmaking yeah. by its very nature has always been a collab. It's the most collaborative medium, right? And it, even though when we say, well, you know, this person, there's, you know, auteurs that like guys that are singular, like Scorsese or like George Lucas or Coppola or whatever. But at the end of the day, like, you know, they don't do everything. Some of them do. Some of them do a lot. Some of them shoot it, or they might storyboard it, or they might edit it, and they might write it. But a lot of them don't do any of that stuff. They might do one out of those ten things. So then you get back into the collaborative aspect of it, where, and and again, the collaboration always kind of boils down to like a committee, especially when money's involved, because mm-hmm. then that, now you have someone going, you know, um, everybody has to have their two cents. If I'm the producer, if I'm bankrolling a movie, and I put 250 million dollars into it yeah you better have at the end of the day i'm gonna go i want that cape to be black and someone's gonna listen to me and go man now i can feel creative i can feel like i added to the thing of it and and i didn't it doesn't matter at the end of the day it doesn't it doesn't really matter um anyways like you know we're kind of getting off that that track but 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 i think that's i don't know i guess that's that's kind of my my fear with some of this stuff where it becomes in a time period right now where everything feels like it belongs to everybody, um, mm-hmm. everybody has ownership and everybody feels like they know the right way to do something. And even me, I mean, I'm saying that me as a viewer, as a moviegoer, who's like, they should have done it like this. But it's like, it's like getting to a weird point in like culture where we're entitled, even in our art, where we're entitled to say like, I can't do art, but that's how you should do art. Right. Whereas there was a time when people, and not that that was right either, there was a time where people were like, I'm educated enough to know what's art and what's not. And based on that, I place value on things. And now, not only do we do that as consumers, we say, well, this movie is worth $10 and this movie is worth the red box. Now we can actually feel entitled enough to go, I should have done it. It could have been better if I'm going to go remake my own. I'm going to go remake a shot for shot youtube movie of indiana jones or star wars because i should have done it better but at the end of the day it's that same kind of collaborative mentality of like if you could have done it better you would have done something else better and i think that's my gripe with star wars the force awakens is it it's that it's them going we could have made it better so let's make a better version of this thing that was already better but we want it better in our own image rather than going let's just make another movie that's better and it can be its own thing you know what I mean? And I, I don't know. And for me, I enjoyed uh, Force Awakens a lot. I did. Um, you know, but I, it's an entertaining movie. I bought it on Blu-ray. I watched the special features. Uh, but it's hard for me to like, and I'm also 36. And so I, so I, that's, a, that's the point you just hit that I was thinking about when listening to you, which is if we were this exact age waiting for the sequel to A New Hope, and that's the only thing we saw when we were early thirties and now we've been waiting for empire and empire just came out. Would it have had the same impact as when we were 
kids because now we've seen enough movies that have these big climaxes and twists and stuff like that. So in this day and age, could Empire come out 2016 for the first time without the others and affect the same way? Would we already be like, well... You'd be burned out. You would think it was something else. You know, we talked about that briefly before with like a movie like John Carter, uh, which I never read those books. And I saw John Carter knowing nothing about those stories or... Mm. You know, having anything, other, the only thing I knew about it was it, oh, it was so awful and blah, blah, blah. And I watched it and then we talked about this. I remember going, if I was 10 and I saw this for the first time, this would be like my favorite movie. But as someone who's seen lots of movies, I can go, well, it kind of reminds me of this and this and this. Of course, and then someone that read the books can go, well, those movies are based on this story. But at that point, it doesn't matter anymore, right? Once yeah. it's into the popular like consciousness, it doesn't matter what came first. It just matters if it is it entertaining. Does it, hold up? Yeah. does it hold up or not? And I, and that's like you said, like that's the question with like Empire Strikes Back. If it came out now, even though it's a great film, would people sit through it? You know, there's long stretches where nothing happens. You know, uh, there's two kind of big set pieces, and that's about it in the in a two hour movie. And nowadays. Uh, filmmaking is the opposite where every couple of minutes has to be a set piece. Every couple of minutes has to be a giant climactic life or death thing. And that that's why I asked about, you know, whether it's something that can be diluted at a point for you, because you can't, you know, the way life is structured, like you can't, every moment can't be life or death, right? right. Every moment can't be drama because you have to have the valleys, you have to have the peaks. Yeah. And I think it's the same with movies where you watch a movie where, you know, someone like Michael Bay gets criticized for that, where it's explosions, 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 and stuff's happening, stuff's happening. And people are like, well, that's not real. And that's like, it's it's hyper real and it's stupid because it's over the top. But yeah. that's, it's either you do that well or you don't do that well. It's not a matter of you shouldn't do that because you look at most action movies or uh, properties, you know, comic books or whatever, and they're the same. It's the same structure. It's there's a giant hole in the sky and aliens come out and you destroy an entire city. It's a matter of do you do it well or do you not do it well? You know what I mean? People bitched yeah. about Man of Steel, them destroying Metropolis and had to make a movie to answer that when they do the exact same thing in the Avengers, but people like that more. You know, and I'm not saying one's better than the other, but you're dealing with the same scenario. It just kind of boils down to how it's done. How it's done or preference, you know? So, know. so is Star Wars still culturally important and significant when another one gets released um or is it at the same level of the big blockbuster comic book movies that come out because that's really the only true like fantasy based movies you have that compare to it Mm -hmm. is like the star trek reboots which is only two or three and then all the comic book movies from Mm -hmm. the marvel and the dc world so the anticipation level you know gets to a, a certain point where um you know box office sell out for that first weekend to see certain movies and for others it doesn't it's just trickle people come in and they watch it so is star wars still does it still have that foothold for you in in culture and for yourself like is it important to see them opening night is it important to um, get a second viewing to yeah no matter yeah be- again because it's you know it's grandfathered because it's something that will it will always be the first thing i identified with as a kid as right. far as what my archetypes were for heroes and villains and Mm -hmm. imagination and space and all those things you know now it's 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 shitty now i watch uh i can watch star wars 
And it's shitty now that I can watch Star Wars, but a week before I can watch The Martian, and now I'm questioning the science in Star Wars. Like, oh, well, that wouldn't work because I saw The Martian and they explained that that didn't yeah. work or Interstellar. And that's shitty, right? Like, you should be able, me, I should be able to discern those things and separate them. And yes, Star Wars will always get a pass. Like, well, it doesn't matter how, you know, a spaceship that's, you know, going light speed can stop on a dime and no one's like shredded to pieces right. and smashed against the window. Why, like, you know, Whatever. You know what I mean? You're, it's always going to have that. Whereas every other movie that comes out from now to eternity that I watch, I'm going to be like, well, and I'm going to have that question mark like everybody else does, you know, because we feel we're informed that way that we can question that and go, well, you know. And also a big part of that too is when Star Wars came out, it was arguably the only thing like it. And now everything's like everything else that comes out. So before you didn't have like a, a gold standard to say, okay, well, this is what science fiction is like, science fiction movies like. And now every movie is science fiction. Every movie deals with time travel or space or technology or special powers or whatever. So then you have to kind of like balance them against each other and then unfortunately make those comparisons, whether they're conscious or subconscious. Like I just watched contact their day i hadn't seen it in forever it's still a great movie oh, yeah still love it yeah but it didn't hadn't occurred to me because it's been so long since i watched it how similar it is to like how similar interstellar is mm-hmm. to contact yeah <laughs> to the point time. where you're like that's i mean it's even got mm-hmm. matthew mcconaughey yeah <laughs> but playing a similar type of character in a way right. you know what i mean and you're like and that's one of those things where you're like is that homage or are you just kind of going well we waited 20 years so we now we can kind of steal this carl yeah. sagan story and right no one's gonna give me a shit because I'm Christopher Nolan and I can get away with it now. And then you watch, I I thought Interstellar was great, but I go back and watch it two or three times, and I'm like, and it doesn't like like a lot of Christopher Nolan's stories, it doesn't hold up under a microscope, you know. And again, George Lucas's doesn't, and we know that too. You know, those stories don't hold up under a microscope. And but again, you give it a pass because you go, well, when I was five. I didn't have a microscope, yeah. So it doesn't fucking matter, right. you know. See, and, and I, I've kind of been more simple in that. I'm kind of like a horse with blinders. Like I go and I watch the movie and I absorb as much as I can because I have a crappy memory, but I don't compare it to anything until I've left the theater. Which means I've already forgotten most of the stuff that I would even compare it to. Mm-hmm. So th- at the end, I'm just judging it completely on its own on its own merit. Yeah. Now, as far as dilution, uh, things being diluted and everything, I think that, I think like you said, it's grandfathered in. However, I don't think that Rogue One falls within that grandfathering, and it it might be a little weird to to create lines, but it's almost like four, five, and six, seven, eight, and nine. Anything exterior to those don't have as much of a pass as this core, uh, you know, the original three, and then the mm-hmm. new the new three. I forget that the that one, two, and three existed. I just <laughs> my brain has well, wiped those. From and existence. and also, people are going to continue to be cautiously optimistic or or just cautious oh, yeah. because the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies get a pass right now from everyone because they haven't bet, done a bad one yet. They really haven't. Like of no. the majors, so now they're rolling they're out Doctor awesome. Strange, and now they're going to be you know Civil War is about to come out, and then Doctor Strange in November. And every right now, it's not people aren't looking at the Marvel movies as dilution. They're looking at it as as Oh, we're opening up this whole little world that everyone's connected to, and there's going to be a big end game. They've set up an incredible promise that basically says every one of these different directors, different actors, different characters, different storylines 
are all interconnected by mm-hmm. some end credit scene. And then they're all going to have, you know, this big giant, you know, infinity war, you know, thing that's going to make all of it matter. And it's all going to be meaningful. And so all these in-between movies aren't filler. They're expanding the universe. That way, when these guys show up in the big finale, you'll know their backstory. You'll be emotionally attached to them. So if any one of them dies, it won't be like, you know, Porkins dying in Star Wars. Because now we'll have seen the Porkins movie. That's what Marvel's doing. They're setting up that every guy or girl is going to have something meaningful. So if the, something happens to them, the stakes are high. And that's yeah. that's a huge long call, uh, right. long that's a investment. Long and and yeah. it's great. It's and, great. Unless they stop being successful, and then you'll stop seeing those stories, though. I don't yeah. think so. I don't know. Yeah. I think they still they, keep pushing it. They'll, they'll, I, I mean, and they can. Yeah, it have to be. It have to do a big one eighty for them to stop. At this point, yeah. I think there's so much momentum with that style that now you see DC trying to start mm-hmm. it up, and and you know that's that's a whole other conversation. But sticking with the Star Wars stuff, you know, like the the Rogue One trailer, I thought looked really good. Yeah, and yeah. right on the heels of Force Awakens still being fresh in my mind, and you know, wanting to watch it on Blu-ray as well soon and digest it all again, and you know, be able to pause and. You know, look at some frames a little closer and yeah. be like, oh, okay, now I, I couldn't see that quite as well, especially if you see it in 3D. You know, as, as fun as that is, it's like, you know, eye strain sometimes. You yeah. notice stuff when you watch it on your own. So I, I like that. And I think for me personally, like Star Wars has just always been about the imagination. I can still go to the theater and watch it like I'm a little kid. I just yeah. have the processing of an adult. So I can process terminology and, and larger storyline. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm still excited by lightsaber fights. I'm excited by special effects and explosions. And I know when I don't like something, it's not because I'm being overly critical. It's because they're violating their own rules. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing that Lucas did in the first movie is he set up the rules of what a lightsaber yeah. sounds like when it hits, when it swings in the air. And so if now they try to violate that and well, now the saber is going to sound different because of whatever, that's going to be stuff that I noticed I'm going to get upset about, you know? So Mm -hmm. they set up some really neat things in this one that I don't know that they were necessarily looking to pay homage so much as they were looking to follow the rules because they're saying, you know, episode one, two, and three was filmed on digital and it wasn't on, you know, actual film. And it was intentional by George because it was supposed to be more polished to represent the Renaissance era pre-empire. So everything was supposed to be clean and had soft lines and you know, the ships weren't square and it was a very bright, a brighter color palette. And then A New Hope through Jedi, the palettes are dark and everything looks like, you know, the, the degradation of the Renaissance has happened with the Industrial Revolution kind of comparison where yeah. now the Empire have, you know, red, you know, buttons and blue buttons and really square looking uniforms. But really, it's a reflection of 1977, right? But the story justification is, well, it looks this way. And so any movie that's going to follow part six is going to only be rooted in that post Renaissance type era. And so they're trying to mirror it to look like, like that while also, like you said, Mario starting something new. So I think that that's a really neat and safe way to do it without upsetting people. Because if, if Abrams had tried to make his own movie and his own set of rules, they would have grilled him the way the prequels were grilled. Oh yeah. And I think he would have rather be grilled on paying fan service to the way this movie was crafted than be, you know, grilled for making his own thing. And it just completely does a 180 and flips everything on its top. You know, if they just completely abandon all the semblance of the storyline. I mean, that's why that whole lightsaber thing as funny as it is. We can pick that apart in a little bit, but it also is neat that it's truly 
connecting everything and showing that the events that have already happened prior are relevant. It's showing that there's a direct importance to stuff that happened from parts one through six and even stuff we might not know about because now there's characters that look like they existed Mm. before or even during parts one through six and we never met them, you know, like the first order general, you know, leader, that kind of stuff. They're trying to really kind of pull it together. And I know it's hard. I mean, it's got to be really hard to write compelling story that you stick to and say, that's it. That's what we're doing. And hope that you can market, hope that you can keep people's interest, hope that you can prevent leaks. And at the end of the day, still satisfy the integrity of filmmaking while making your studio execs happy, you know? So I can't even imagine what that's like. I can't imagine what it's like to make a movie under those situations. (laughs) It's hard enough to make one of your own vision with your budget. And then you've got this big budget, but it comes at a cost. Like look at the names of the directors of the next two movies. They're not known names. You know, they're not names that you'd be like, you know, Rian Johnson and what's the other one? Um, uh, Gareth Edwards. Yeah. Those are not names that you would hear the way you hear a JJ Abrams or a Spielberg or a but, Chris but I Nolan. Think, you know. I think also there's not a, there's not a lot of those people left that, that again, people that you associate with either a type of movie, which is like a blockbuster type movie or like a tentpole movie or someone who's a, again, like a singular vision type of person. Um, like I, I was, I'm slightly more excited by at the at the prospect of you know Gareth Edwards or Ryan Johnson because I like their other movies that I've seen uh, than I am you know by a J.J. Abrams per se because with J.J. Abrams you kind of know what you're gonna get um, and again I, I I agree like again going back like I enjoyed the movie I thought it was very entertaining but it it's one of those things it's like you know. I saw a movie the other day that I can't remember off the top of my head and I can go, well, that was a really entertaining movie. It was worth 10 bucks. And I guess I don't want Star Wars to ever feel like that kind of movie where I can go, that was really entertaining and I can, you know, spend 10 bucks on that. Like, it, it should be something different for me. And again, that, that yeah. that's that's different for each individual because I say that as someone who loved Star Wars movies growing up, I had some of the toys, not all of them. I have really... Very little interest in all the expanded universe stuff, like in comics or in books or the, even the cartoons. Like, yeah. I have very Same little here. interest in that. Again, that's because, partially because I'm sorry, because I'm 36 and I don't have the time or the resources to buy all that stuff or to go find that all stuff online. And I guess that that's that tricky. Like you said, it's, it's a tricky walkway because, and excluding the bottom line, the money part and the marketing part, excluding that. Um, it's a tricky thing to walk with you, right? Because you want to tell stories. You want to tell stories that you think people want to hear. But there's always that risk of like, of of taking away what other people have always brought to it, which is their own imagination. You know, in some ways, like there's, you know, you know, like with like Kylo Ren, like they they didn't spend any, you know, he took off his helmet in the first like 15 minutes and I wasn't let down by that because I knew it's Adam driver. I know it's going to be this big, tall, gawky, goofy looking guy. And that's fine, I guess, you know, but it's one of those things. Like, it's like, once you get to that point where you start taking away those things, because you kind of have a shorthand now, well, you know, it's a guy under there and you know, it's a guy who's going to be tortured and you know, it's a guy who's probably related to somebody and they start to give you all of those those shorthand for everything, it starts to take away again, like some of the mystery of that stuff and, and, and starting to say, okay, well the mystery isn't what we're telling you. Now the mystery is a stuff you don't even know about. 
which is the lost bullshit. Right. It's like, oh no, we're just this thing that came out of left field. That's a mystery. Like that's not a mystery. That's a it's a cop out. And you know, to be critical of some of the stuff of Star Wars, I think there is a lot of that. I think it's a cop out anytime you say a story exists not in a vacuum. It exists in a universe, literally, like a galaxy, which is made up of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of stars and planets and from what we understand, life forms. And yet the only significant things that happen happen to one family mm-hmm. in that entire universe. Right. Like that's, it's easy to even politicize that or to even make that a racial argument. You know what I mean? Say, why does it only happen to human beings? Mm-hmm. Why are they the only important? You know, you could say, well, it used to be like, well, all, all the white people only mattered to them. Like, okay, well, now there's a Guatemalan and now there's a black guy and now there's a chick and blah, blah, blah. Like, well, now it only happens to the people that speak English, to the, that look like humans, that look like us, that are in our image. You know what I mean? And it's easy to like, again, I'm nitpicking, but that's the thing. It's like, that's when you start to get into that thing where I, I'm excited to see what they do with the other movies with the Rogue One stuff. And I'm, you know, because I like movies, I'm interested to see what they do with the standalone, like, Han Solo movie or Boba Fett or whatever. Do I think they're necessary? You know, do I think people really want them? No. I think people want Star Wars. I think that Han Solo is a guy that we know pretty much who he was for 30 or 40 years, and he didn't change one bit in 40 years. So what could there be more interesting in his life that happened prior to when I met him? It's any more interesting. It's Anakin Skywalker situation all over again. Yeah, right. That's Boba true. Fett's the guy that we built up to be this amazing person. Everybody loves him, but why? Because you don't know anything about him. You can put a face on that face under the mask for yourself. You know what I mean? It has this weird kind of like odd voice. It's not British. It's not American. It's not ethnic. And you can, is it a robot? Is it, a, you know, before we even knew what the clones were, it was just this guy and he was cool because he didn't have to say anything and he kind of looked like a stormtrooper and he didn't know why. And now it's like, even going back to the prequels, like even finding out where Boba Fett came from, you're like, oh, okay, that's right. That's okay. Whatever. You know what I mean? So now to go back to like the time from when you met that kid and he's a snotty little kid, like every snotty little kid in the galaxy, apparently to the time that he got, knocked into a fucking giant puss by a blind guy (laughs) in between that like what could he have done that was so exciting that i didn't see in the moments that i had opportunities you're you're right because isn't it funny how you know by episode five and six you realize that the guy under the darth vader costume is a person who fathered two kids not not just one two but you never thought of his backstory as something that would involve a woman i always thought his backstory when if i thought well how does anakin skywalker Fall of the Dark Side. That must be an amazing story. Wow, I hope he makes the prequels so that I can see what that looks like. That'll be incredible. It, it never occurred to me it would be over a girl. I never thought it would be his wife. I, did, I never thought that that it's, would be it's the... So domestic. Oh, I'm, I'm it's a, so plain. I'm afraid to lose you when you give birth. Like, I don't want that to happen to you. Don't die. I'm going to join the, the bad guys to protect you. I, it never occurred to me, even though I'm like, he's got these kids, so obviously he had a woman, and I never thought to myself, well, that'll be the reason. I just assumed... That would be taken care of on its own. That would have its own yeah. thing that has nothing to do with his central character's whole arc. His whole reason for being a bad guy in that mask is his love for this this wife of his. And I thought, wow, that's kind of weak when I really think about it. Like yeah. that's a yet in in our lives, that's the most powerful thing. You know, do anything for your wife, do anything for your girlfriend, you know, your mother, whoever it is. You would give your whole life for them. You would, you know, be a bad guy. 
to protect them, right? Mm-hmm. To whatever extent you're willing to draw that line on. But cinematically, it's like you don't want to see your big bad villain as a mushy yeah. guy who whines yeah. and cries and like, you know. Yeah. I'm mad because my parents got divorced. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and so I didn't have a dad. So when you see that, you're like, wow. But but Lucas is saying all this time, he's like, well, what did y'all want? Y'all wanted the story. That that's you know, I mean, what did you expect? I mean, were you? I don't know what you guys were wanting, but that's that's it. Now you have it. You have what mm-hmm. you wanted. You wanted right. these stories, and y'all hated me for them. And, and and that comes back to the whole, like you said, the filmmaking thing and making movies around set pieces or even digital characters. You know, you you centralize a story around Jar Jar Binks because oh, that's cute and that's fun, and you know, you think that's gonna be entertaining. And it's funny you you see the movie with little kids, and they really do laugh. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of like blown away, but I'm like, wow, it worked. Like these <laughs> little kids love that guy. And he's yeah. awful. I mean, he's just mm-hmm. awful to watch on screen. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, even as a kid, I'm I'm almost I I'm not trying to give myself too much credit. But I feel like even then I would have known, like I would have known, like that's terrible. Like I just would have known, <laughs> yeah. you know, as as a young boy, that would have been bad news to see that character on screen. And yet, you know, it was such a a central part to the yeah. first movie. And there was that whole first Phantom Menace movie. A lot of those plots are resolved through slapstick accidents you know and yeah. physical comedy and, and stuff like that and i would have rather like anakin as a little boy have intuitively like figured out how to pilot that starfighter and cause damage than oh here's a button oh no the torpedo went and blew up the whole original death star which is really yeah. that little federation thing yeah. that looks like yeah. a small yeah. little death star but and, and but they even they even find ways to do that in like the new movie where it's like except whether it with it not even being an accident. Again, it's like just filling in blanks that aren't there, which is like, you know, when they're on Jakku and like the fucking Millennium Falcon's been sitting there for God knows how long, even though everybody in the universe knows what fucking ship it is. And she runs by it, not knowing anything about it other than it's a piece of shit. But she knows ex- how to fly it like a, like a fucking pro. And then you can, you know, well, it's because she's related to him. Like, that's a fucking cop out. That's a fucking cop out. Like at the end of the day, that's a yeah. fucking yeah. Cop out. Like, Luke Skywalker is the son of Anakin Skywalker, the most powerful Jedi and Sith, whatever, whoever walked the earth, and is the chosen one with the highest bullshit midi chlorian count nonsense. But Luke had to figure out how to wield the lightsaber by practicing with the golf ball on the Falcon, <laughs> you know. But Ray's able to do it, you know, for the first time. Well, I would have thought back then she's like, I thought Luke Skywalker was a myth. Well, then the first time you put a lightsaber in someone's hand, they'd be like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Like, like when Finn turns it on, he should have been freaked out by it. He's he should have been like, like, he's like, like he knew. He yeah. Knew he he should have been like, oh my God, there should have been like one more explanation. The same way Obi-Wan yeah. tells Luke, like it's a civilized weapon for a more refined age or whatever. That's enough. That little moment of Alec Guinness's line right there explains it all. It's a weapon that is not of this age. It, you know, right now we've got blasters. This is something way bigger than that. They don't explain that in Force Awakens. And two people, not one, are able to wield it successfully against someone that's been trained yeah. in it and is pissed off. Yeah. And that's funny to me. Like, yeah. well, it's because they've got extra Force powers. And Finn's not even part of that lineage. That was the big twist, right? It's that, you know, all the yeah. posters show him with it. But he's not the Jedi. He's not the next Jedi. She is. And she has an even more innate intuition with Jedi mind tricks, with uh, force telekinesis with lightsaber skills with uh, mental projection and all that. So, but who? But who is she? Who is she? Right, and that's the mystery she, that's been set up. Be? Right, that yeah. that sends but, it higher. Now yeah. that's justified. Well, maybe she's even bigger than but, Luke. But see, yeah, yeah maybe now, she's a Kenobi. But now at this point, for me, like or I, a Kenobi I, Walker or Skywalker. I incest. 
No, not incest. Like, uh, Skywalker Organa. Baby. <laughs> oh, that's incest. That's gross. But that would make sense. Well, they did kiss. That's all it's... But maybe in that universe, all you have to do is kiss someone to... <laughs> to get them... Lit- give them your midi chlorians to seed each other. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but that's the thing. It's like... So it's... it's it's almost like retroactively looking at like the matrix and, and getting why um, that's an appealing premise to us now in this generation with technology where things come easy, you know, like yes, Neo had to train, but they still at the end of the day, just downloaded everything into him. Like they could have done that to you or to Mike or to Mario or me or anybody else. And you would have been the one, right? Right. And that's proven by the fact that there's hundreds of infinite number of the ones because all you have to do is turn them on. And I guess that's kind of the same gripe I have now with like, I like that character. I like, I like the portrayal, you know, of, of Ray, but the same thing, it's like you have somebody who's already surpassed from what we see Luke Skywalker in the first three movies. Right. Exactly. So now where does she have to go? And again, and at this point, I don't want to see the first 16 years of her life now. I don't care. I don't want to flash back and to see who dropped her off and why they dropped her off. Because if she's young enough to remember them and to know somebody dropped her off and told her they were coming back, you would remember their face. You would remember who the fuck your parents were. Not necessarily. Yes. If you, But if you're in tune with the entire universe. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. You're talking about someone who has supernatural powers. And, and no matter what, because you're dealing with stories like this, you're always dealing with archetypes. You're always dealing with like, you know, uh, but that's the, but that's the thing. Like we like I said, we still don't know who her parents are. But it doesn't matter. The same the same way you know it doesn't matter. Like you don't want to get you don't want to read like Jesus Christ the origin comic book. It doesn't matter. You don't want to know like well what was he really like when he was twelve? People speculate, but you don't care. It doesn't matter because what happens? You if you humanize an archetype, suddenly it's like well I was mad because my dad was a dick. Or my dad, you know, if, if I'm not trying to be a shithead, but like if you do a Jesus origin story, right? And it, as a cartoon or a comic book, because now it turns into like, oh, my dad was absent and he's a god and he's not around and I died and he wasn't around. And that's what, unfortunately, the story you'd end up telling, right? Mm. This is why you make my, my Godfather argument so easy for me as the best films of all time, because the first Godfather film is so flawless from first frame to end credits and all that you figure, well, there's no way they can top it. And yet Godfather two does two things. It matches if in some other people's eyes almost surpasses its original, which is hard to do because Marlon Brando and the rest of the cast are immortalized in that first film. And yet part two does something that no one else in my opinion, I really have seen do well, which is tell a backstory that matters. And they tell the Vito Corleone backstory of how he rose to power and it's compelling you see Mm. his tragedy you see when he's a nine-year-old boy and he loses his father and his brother and he gets shipped off to america and the whole story is really just compelling and yet he's a criminal and it's something you root for the very first big cinematic anti-hero and that's really really neat and i just don't it's not that i don't understand it's that it's unfortunate that it's so hard to do that now partially because again godfather was sort of the first series to kind of do that successfully so they mm-hmm. own that that it's like calling first they've got yeah. it so now someone else tries to do it. it's like well you didn't do it as well as the godfather and then we start the comparison stuff you know and then we start looking at like you know the other origin story i think i'd say was really well done was batman with batman begins like to me that yeah. to me in, in a lot of ways you could almost argue 
that's the most rewatchable of the three films of the Nolan Batmans. As much as the Heath Ledger Joker and the Dark Knight one was so amazing and so polarizing, the Batman Begins story is the one that you enjoy seeing the most because for the first hour, he's not even in a costume. He's yeah. not beating people up. He's not ex- exercising authority. You're watching, you're watching yourself. You're watching, well, would I become this too? Would I have that rage in me? Would I have that drive? Would I come from these beginnings and become this? And so in the Star Wars movie, you see... Yeah, you do see that J.J. Abrams, Damon Lindelof thing written all over it where it's like, there's really compelling characters, there's really interesting stuff, but I don't know enough things to have a complete picture. And so they got me to do what they want me to do, which is wonder. That way, uh, for sure, go to the next one. You don't have to worry about that with Star Wars. That's the stuff that pisses me off, where it's like, Star Wars has a built-in automatic fan base. Like I just said, you put a lightsaber on screen, we will be there, all three of us, whether we're together or we're in different theaters, pretty much in the same couple of days, we'll all be there, guaranteed. And so will the rest of the world. So you don't have to use plot devices and setups and, you know, unanswered questions or and... Original stories. You know, to, to get us to be there, you know. Um, you can just simply write a story that's going to have meaning and be compelling. You don't have to set up these... Like you said, yeah, wouldn't she remember her parents? I mean, yeah. And I, I guess now that she's got all these powers, you have that easy excuse to be like well it worked because of this but she wouldn't remember that because of this and there's always going to be an answer they wiped, al- it. they wiped her mind right there's always going to be some way to get out of it and you know that's the whole thing when you're dealing with these fantasy or sci-fi things that deal with supernatural powers and stuff like that is there's always an out there's always an out yeah you know and so we basically have to swallow it as long as they don't violate their own rules as long as we know well Everything she's done seems feasible. She's just doing it at a much more accelerated rate than we've ever seen possible. You know, even Anakin had to train. He was still, you know, even in the second film was still unrefined. But do you, to make up the difference for all the happenstance and luck that happens, are we supposed to, in your opinions, are we supposed to believe that the force influences everything that happens? Is it is it actually actively in control of the destiny of all these people? For example, again, they're on Jakku. They stumble upon the Falcon, fly it expertly, mm-hmm. escape the planet, and then immediately are found by Han Solo, who's been looking for it for years, even though it's apparently where everybody knew it was all along. That's and and I'm 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 cutting out the movie part of it. We, Ooh. It's it's a cop out to say, well, it's a movie and you have to condense these things because again, you're making twenty movies over the next twenty years, like bullshit that you have to condense it right now. But the unless force, the force is everywhere, it's all around us. But that's the it's but, in the stones. I won't even but, give you an no. opinion though, Rick. I won't give you an opinion. I don't need to have an opinion. They established their own rules. When Liam Neeson's Qui Gon Jinn character says, you know, quiet your mind, listen to the will of the Force. It tells us the so it's established yeah. by canon that the force has a will and it's typically pushing the balance of the universe into some positive way. Mm -hmm. It's typically trying to get things course corrected for some benefit, despite the insane amount of death that seems to have to happen for that to, to take place. You have to lose, you know, you know, 10 billion people on multiple planets every so often for these things to write themselves. Plus, you know, all these other, But, but, but if that's the case, we've never actually seen the fruits of that. Right, like, because we're, we're talking about the universe as a whole, we're talking about the only people, the only the only thing that ever solidified its position was 
Anakin Skywalker's Walker's arc. That's the only thing we've ever seen from start to finish. For good or bad, love it or hate it, that's the only arc in this universe that we've ever mm-hmm. seen start to finish. And he obviously wasn't, unless you're playing the fucking Neo card where he had the chance to be the thing that united the galaxy, but he failed. And then Luke had a chance, but he failed. And now his daughter has a chance. And then you're going through this card and you're basically playing the force slash Christianity slash savior slash Jesus card, which whatever. I know it's hard to avoid when you're, when you're again, dealing with archetypes and dealing with, you know, epic stories. You're always kind of dealing with that sort of thing. But I guess that's my question too. And uh, you know, I'm being serious. I'm not being sarcastic about the force's effect on that because at the end of the day, you know, almost every question could be every every big mystery about the movie within its own story, within its own structure can be answered by somebody giving up information that's readily available. Right. For example, fucking droids having the information that everybody needs almost omnipotently over the course of three generations and never just telling people what was going on. At minimum, you could call R2-D2 the galaxy's biggest dick for yeah, never yeah, telling yeah, Luke, yeah. hey, by the way, your dad, I actually know who he is. Yeah. You don't have to go through any of this. Yeah. I, I can help you yeah. with all this information. 